two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. FKTC crew, we have made it to 30 episodes of the Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles. 30 episodes. Woo! Crazy! Very crazy. The only thing terrible about this episode is we have to talk about Colby Covington. And <laughs> what an asshole that guy is. <laughs> but what won't be terrible is our pay-per-view number tradition of guests, which this week we have the return of fan-sided MMA's Jordan Lopez. Round of applause. Thank you, guys. It's always an honor being on here. I had a fun time my last time, and uh, I'm glad to talk USC 272. It's a big card, especially for me. And uh, yeah, we had some good fights last weekend, and we're expecting some more good fights this weekend. And tell it's going to be a good fight because what I can see in your background is that Masvidal's knockout on Till, right? Yep, one of my favorite knockouts uh, I saw live through my TV, I... and uh, yeah, one of my favorites. Yeah, I, I like it better than the Askren one to be honest, but mm-hmm. I like it. so. Yeah, that cool. Till the Till fight was where Masvidal like really like his career kind of like took an uptick in a big way yep that was the start of the uh resurrection like he likes to call it (laughs) yep all right um so figured that we would recap a little bit of ufc vegas 49 we will do our fighter or fight to watch for ufc 272 do some predictions and then we're going to get into our topic of the week which is i will for any young listener that's listening, it is going to be a little, a, a little, let's just say, I don't even know how you could describe this, but let's just say you might want to skip a little bit of it because there's some heavy stuff in there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means yet. What's that mean? I don't know. We're going to What's find it out mean? soon. Uh, before I before we do start, I do want to shout out my friend Jess. I am wearing her. She is starting a MMA clothing line, and I'm wearing the MMA hoodie. And then I got the back here too. I don't know if you can see that. Very is nice. that gold? It's like a painted yellow. Oh wow! She did a really good she job. She should. She should make some blood splat slash marks on there. I did, there's a dub she has a WMMA sweatshirt that cut is that's in like an orange red color I'll have to show you um once we're done here but kind of looks similar to that but it's kind of it's like this except for it's yeah like a reddish orange color but it looks really cool so shout out to Jess maybe we'll see hopefully that 
our word provides the word to have them go get some merchandise from her. But <laughs> did you I, did you just say merchandise? Did I say merchandise? <laughs> trademark, 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 tra- trademarking that right now. TM merchandise, merchandise. Got it. Trademark that later. Okay. <laughs> but before I fall down a rabbit hole, or any of us fall down a rabbit hole, let's start with our grade for UFC Vegas 49. Blood, A+. Plus. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it was a bloody, bloody, bloody event. Mm. Oh, Fighting B. Fighting B. <laughs> Fighting B. All right. Fighting B. I would lean towards a B as well. I may even give it a, a B plus. You know, there's some good prospects on card that really got overlooked by some fans. But I think the the card was pretty good. I'll, I'll give it like a B plus. I would have to agree. I would say B plus for the card. The violence was definitely at a solid <laughs> A, A minus. <laughs> Solid. So, our first fight off the main card was between Armin Petrosian, if I'm saying uh-huh. that right, versus Gregory Rodriguez, in which Petrosian won via a very interesting split decision. Um, before I give my thoughts, um, let's hear from our guests first. Jordan, what did you think of the fight? Um, I thought it was a very good fight. I was looking forward to this fight, actually. Uh, I've seen Gregory Rodriguez uh, fight before. Um, I was looking at this is one of my fights to watch um, that I wrote on my sub stack that I actually started. Um, but uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was a good fight. It was closely contested as, as it was a split decision. Um, I think I would have been fine with either one winning. Um, I was kind of surprised that it was a split, but I mean... Yeah. If you're going to give it up to the judges, I mean, anything can happen. Literally anything can happen. So but I thought it was a good fight overall. To, to start off the card, the main card especially, I, th- I thought it was a really good fight. Good go fight. Ahead. I'll say, go ahead, get your jits on. Get your jits on. Um, <laughs> I agree. It was a, a good fight. I think I did think that Petrosian had probably a little bit of a an edge. Um, so I'm not surprised that, that he won. Um, but I, w- I thought he had the edge, but I think the judging was a little better this time. Mm-hmm. So, um, if we had any other judges, I think that you could have been mad if w- Rodriguez win, but, um, I think it was good. Good fight. Yeah, um, definitely it was a tail, well, not really a tail, but it was definitely showing the striker versus the clincher um, mm-hmm. where Petrosian used his striking. He had 128 total strikes with 127 of them being significant. Rodriguez attempted two submissions, which I think is what gave him a couple, which gave him one judge's nod on the scorecard. Yeah. yeah. Um, fairly competitive fight, but Looking while I was doing my research for it, the scorecards are very interesting. And I'm actually going to show a little bit of what I 
discovered looking at this. So one more second to pull everything up and there we go. So looking at this, uh, four of the media scores gave the fight to Petrosian while 10 of them gave it to Rodriguez. And fan scoring was a 29-28 to Rodriguez. Um, it was very interesting because looking at that fight, I could definitely tell that one went either way um, or could have gone either way. Um, but one thing I do want to highlight is that Tony Weeks here did uh, give Petrosian a 30-27, which I didn't believe that at all. So I was very in. Nah. Yeah, it was definitely not a 30-27. Um, yeah. As you can tell with the media scores, everyone had it. 29-28 in some form of way. Um, I think when it when I really thought it through, it was definitely that maybe that second round was kind of the the second round was def, probably the I'm trying to think of the words exactly the deciding factor of it. Um, I definitely had round one for Petrosian and round three for Rodriguez. But that second round could have really gone either way. And so it, I just find it very interesting that the judges, two of the three judges gave it to uh, Petrosian, mostly because of the 30-27 score. Like the two 29-28s work out. But with the media mostly scoring it for Rodriguez, it really could have just gone either way for either fighter. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those fights that, you know, I – once it started to go to the decision, I was, it was like one of these fighters has to, you know, put a stop to this and that's, they're going to be really mad at the end result. And that's what we got. Mm-hmm. And that actually entails our golden rule, which is. Don't leave the decision in the hands of the judges. Yeah. <laughs> all, all you I hope say. you, I hope you sung that last part for me when I was absent. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it became our thing until like after you returned at some point because it was, it was when we were talking about judging, I think sometime after Jordan was on and oh. that's where we decided, yep, this is gonna be our new golden rule, our hashtag moment here. <laughs> we don't have a lot, but that was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> But now we get to the blood part of the fight. Um, <laughs> Armin, and I looked this up, Sarukian. Sarukian. Defeating Joel Alvarez via TKO, which I, I can only say two words about it. It was a bloodbath. Oh, okay, that, that, was, that was four words. <laughs> I've never seen anyone bleed so badly. Because yeah. I, I took a little break and then I got, and then the women's fight and I was like, what, what happened? What, why is there blood all over the mat? And then I rewatched that fight. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this fight was, a. Uh, I'll just say something right now. Ar- Armin is going to be a real problem in the lightweight division. Uh, oh yeah. I- I think he was ranked 13 going to the time. I don't know what he's ranked now, but he's going to start creeping up in those top five rankings pretty soon. And he's going to be one of yeah. those lightweights that can give, I know he fought Islam once already and they were both young, 
But I think mm-hmm. we, if that if that match gets booked later on, I think it's gonna be an interesting matchup. Armin is a real real problem in the lightweight division, and I actually would have liked if he would have stepped in on short notice for UFC 272 against RDA, but obviously he didn't get the chance to. But I I really like his game, and I think he's a a real problem in that division. As yeah. Uh, I was going to say, as of the UFC rankings, he is now number 12. 12? Yeah, I normally don't think the lightweight division is is kind of anything special. Uh, And a lot of that has to do with just the the fact that I think it's boxing heavy um, a lot of times. But man, I think that Sarukian proved me wrong. That was impressive. I'm just I'm surprised that you said the lightweight division was like when you said that about the lightweight, I was like, what? But <laughs> now I'm thinking like, okay, that it, it does make a little bit of sense. Because there's yeah. I mean, they're full of strikers, but there's not a lot of lightweights, at least in the top 10 or so, that are really good at going to the ground, especially ever since Habib retired. I mean, the only one that really does well on the ground is Charles Oliveira and Islam Makachev. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm missing anyone else, but those are the two that I know for sure are, like, really good on the ground. Right. Vinil Dariush is is solid on the ground, but Mm -hmm. I think Armin will be a, a tough task for Benio, actually, if I'm being quite honest. Uh, no no arguments here. He's a savage. Yeah. You know, Straight think, savage. I think his his loss to Makachev was even a decision. So if those two would ever fight again, I think we'll see even more fireworks in the second fight. Mm-hmm. Man, I really hope, you know... If Islam gets that belt and then Armin keeps on building his way back up, I mean, that's going to be a, a really good rematch if that happens again. Mm. They're here for it. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next fight was the only ladies fight on the main card. So as the wonderful lady that you are, Laurel, how would you like to lead us off with this one? Or I, lo- I love the women's fight. That was, that was a brawl. And uh, the, the wild striker in Cachera, Cachera? Cachawea. Cachawea, Cachawawa. Cachawawa. <laughs> she was impressive. Those ladies boxed. I would, I would almost call that the fight of the night, but... I think it was the fight of the night. Yeah. Yes, they did get their uh, respective uh, 50 Gs because they did go at it. Yeah, they they went at it. Good for, stand-up uh, match there. Yeah, for uh for this fight, I mean, I won't. I think it was in the third round towards the when the fight was about to end. Priscilla was just throwing straight elbows. I mean, not even mm-hmm. a single straight right. It was just straight elbows going in, trying to get the finish. But uh, also uh, another decision that many people on Twitter thought or the MMA community thought that was wrong. And, uh, I mean, when you go to 171 significant strikes for one 
and the other is 102. I mean, it's a pretty significant margin. Yeah. Um, I was kind of shocked on the, the decision, but at the end, just can't give it up to the judges. You just can't. You just can't. No, you can't. And that actually was probably my only my biggest scrap of the fight because I'm actually, I'm just going to bring this. This is the last time I'm bringing up the thing here because looking at the scorecards here, especially with the media scores, only one of them scored it for Cachuea. Everyone else had it at least 29-28 for Kim. And I found it interesting. Someone that I know on Twitter, Marcel Dorp, had it 30-27 for Kim, which I'm like, eh. What? I, I don't think I would call it a 30-27. I definitely would have given Kachwea that third round. But it's like what Jordan, like what you said, when you're outlanding your opponents on significant strikes, like 171 to 102, I think is what it was, that should get that should pretty much be a win. And then fan scoring, 82% of actually almost 83% of the fans had it for. Uh, Kim, um, but one gripe I do have with the judging, and it shines very brightly because of the three judges that were on this card, Michael Bell, well, Michael Bell, don't know a whole lot about him, but Saul Amato and Adelani Bird have really been known for not great ju- uh, scorecard, um, what's the word? judging fights in a sense, especially with Bird and boxing, and then Saul Amato's been really off at some points. But I don't see how we could have seen it that first round for Kachwea, because I thought Kim did really well in that first round. I saw it 29-28 for Kim, with Kim taking the first and second rounds, and that, yeah, I am not arguing that Kachwea won that third round, but it's just something I don't understand like how there's so much significant striking and I guess Catchway had a really good third round but I don't think it would have been enough to give her the victory I mean I I thought it was going to be 29 29 28 to someone I mean I I also follow Marcel uh on Twitter he's a really good follow um I I don't understand the 30 27 I, I just don't. And uh, I knew Priscilla winning the fight didn't really bother me. It was just looking at the stats, you know, after the fight, it can be a little bit misleading to someone that, you know, didn't watch it or just a, a casual listener or whatever. But but it was a good fight. I mean, they do deserve their 50 Gs, and I'm happy they, oh, yeah. they did get fired the night. No arguments here. Um. Make sure I didn't miss anything. I think we are. Yeah, I think we're good. So next up, we have our co-main events, which, Laurel, you got me on this one. Wellington Terman beating Misha Serkinov via a submission of all things. Yeah. Wellington's a badass. He just looks doesn't look like he is. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that was a a great fight I don't I've not um I picked that fight to be the most interesting fight of the night I think it was pretty interesting um probably not the most interesting fight that I that we saw but I think that Turban Turman just is a 
kid that just surprises you all the time. Like he doesn't look like he has the skill set that that he does, and he's just kind of rolls along and then throws out throws out something that that shocks you that maybe the opponent didn't quite prepare for. So I thought it I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was a good fight too. Um, him being in the Coleman event, I think, is something. Uh, hopefully, we see him a lot more this year, mm-hmm. especially on these uh, fight nights, and hopefully, he gets another Coleman event. Um, but man, I, I thought he looked impressive to say the least. I thought he did a pretty good job and sunk in that submission. Pretty good. Yeah. And he did. Um, uh, what was I? There was a lot. This fight was spent a lot on the ground. Um, I think it was Serkinov had at least three minutes and Terman had at least two and a half from what I remember. Yeah. Interesting part is that there weren't a whole lot of strikes thrown. Terman only landed 24 of them and Serkinov had 50, but only 30 of them being significant. Only landing with 60% of your strikes being significant is decent. But I think a lot of fans are more willing to look at 80 at least most of the significant strikes I see with most of the total strikes, at least 80% of them are significant. So in, very interesting that Serkinov landed, but didn't land significantly enough to do any like real damage. And I think that's probably what helped them. And especially when it came to the ground, I thought for sure, Sir, once it got to the ground, Serkinov's like, oh, I've got this in the bag. And then out of nowhere, Terman comes up with the arm bar and I'm like, oh, that and just we just happened. talked about our arm bars. We did. But it was weird that it was like, I don't know. I just kind of thought it was a fluke that he got arm barred. I mean, it just was, mm-hmm. he was totally unprepared for it. I agree. I don't know. And it didn't happen that fast. <laughs> it was uh-uh. just like- yeah. He definitely took his time on that one. I was like, I okay, like, wait, is this like an, is this happening? And then it's like, oh, Serkinov will get through. And then he tapped like, oh, like they must have been putting on a lot more pressure than I thought because it didn't even look that tight from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, what I yelled was like, roll, roll to the to the side that you're gonna get armbarred. And then he he just laid there. <laughs> <laughs> But when you lay there with your shoulders on the mat, that's what happens. You don't have very good leverage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, look out for Wellington Terman. He is a, could potentially be a certified badass for sure. Potential. Potential. He does have potential. Yeah. Now, our main event, which wasn't <sighs> all that interesting poor but, bobby green just got his ass beat <laughs> good, good good for him for stepping up but it was just one of those that we know what's gonna happen and it happened he, he was so proud that he didn't get knocked out he's like man i went in there and gave it my best effort and didn't get knocked out fuck mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I think he was just happy he got the his paycheck and just moved along. Wasn't really yeah. that hurt in the fight. Just, yeah. I mean, but I, to be fair, I mean, Islam is a 
if you're Islam and you think he's going to win the lightweight belt in the future, this is what you expect from him to do to an unranked fighter. Yes. Uh, and all respect to Bobby Green. I, I think he's phenomenal. I, I can't wait for his next fight. He's always a good to watch. But, you know, mm-hmm. Bobby Green didn't fight like himself. He usually goes forward. He pressures you with his jabs, his straights, and all that. And he's just worried about the takedown from Islam. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Islam, uh, something to be reckoned with. Yeah, I think Bobby Green was too focused on the takedown and it just caused him to overthink and it ended up costing him in the big run, in the long run. But yeah. I mean, when you're going up against a guy who trains with Habib Nurmagomedov, who is known for his pressure wrestling and just yeah. smothering you on the ground, like it's nearly impossible to get out of something like that unless you're just like you can even you could be a black belt in jujitsu or like have your wrestling game on point and it still wouldn't be enough to get away from Habib or Islam. Yeah. And and you can tell Bobby Green was, you know, trying to avoid it from the very start of the fight because he wasn't even in boxing range. And that's what he does best is box. Once I saw how much separation there was to begin the mm-hmm. fight and he tried to just maintain that distance. I knew it was going to be over. He wasn't going to fight like himself. And yeah. if he's not in boxing range, I mean, there's really bo- nothing Bobby can do. Uh, he, that's his best thing to do is box, and he just couldn't. Yeah. Uh, so interesting news that kind of came out was that Islam Makachev was offered the RDA fights, from what I understand, but he turned it down. And then Dana White had mentioned that uh, you turned it down, so we're just going to rebook you with Daryush instead of fighting the winner of Oliveira and Gaethje. So <sighs> he might have to wait a little bit longer before he gets that title shot. Dana. <laughs> what did I say about that? <laughs> Jordan doesn't know how, how I'm not a Dana fan. Oh, no. <laughs> story time, story time, story time. <laughs> he you sucks with Uncle Dana. Yeah, yeah, she's not a huge Uncle Dana fan. Nope. But I guess it's it, it's so weird when fighters uh, decline fight. Like when it's made public, they decline fights. Dana's like puts you, knocks you down a peg every time you decline a fight. Especially if you're like a, like, Islam could definitely have competed and probably faced Charles Oliveira. Or I, I'll tell you that if he faced Charles Oliveira, that'd be a great title fight. If it was Justin Gaethje that beat Oliveira and he fought Makachev, Makachev will probably win in like, as good as Gaethje is, he'll probably win within like three rounds. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw. Have you seen the uh, betting odds for Islam versus Oliveira? Yeah, wasn't Islam like a minus four seventy five favorite? I mean, the absolute disrespect on Charles Oliveira is at an all time high. Oh yeah, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I looked at it and like that is ridiculous. Like Oliveira knows how to go to the grounds. Like it's not like. I can't even explain it. Like, I know Oliveira's only defended his title once, and 
it took he took the long road to become champion but look what he did to well michael chandler was only in a second fight but look what he did to dustin Poirier. Poirier was on a tear um at lightweight and the only person he had really lost to at i think before Oliveira, he'd only lost twice at lightweight and that was against michael johnson and habib Nurmagomedov. habib which is understandable and then Michael right. Johnson was like early on in his career, but Dustin Poirier is like a well-known um, veteran in the octagon, and he, while well, he did, I, it was fairly even up until the point where he knew where Dustin's weakness is. I'm pretty sure Oliveira watched the Habib tape and like, all right, I just can find a way to get around his neck. It's over. But yeah, Charles Oliveira has, especially because what he owns the most submissions wins in UFC history such disrespect for him <laughs> it really is I, I I couldn't believe it when I saw it the the opening lines well gonna have to wait a little bit longer yeah. um so before we get into our UFC 272 business Laurel with your Wellington Terman win I think you did get one other win and I don't I? think, I think so. Let me just make sure I got that right. Or maybe we both picked. We both picked Kim. Yeah, we both picked Kim. And yeah. we, we both picked the two Armands, right? Yeah. Okay. So then that was, yeah. so that tournament fight was the only one that I got wrong and you got right. Right. So, so, so we're 26 and 23 and 23 and 26. We'll oh. see about this next fight card. Does Jordan know of our bet? Oh, do you, Jordan? No, I do not. Whoever, so in July, right? July. Yeah, it'll be during International Fight Week. I think that's July yeah. 2nd, I think. That'll be the last Second card. Yes, yeah. yeah, so that'll be we the tally last. All the, we, we tally all the wins and all the losses from our picks each week mm-hmm. and whoever is whoever loses has the most losses has to wear an i love conor mcgregor t-shirt designed by the winner <laughs> oh yeah that's that's a good that's a that's a good bet i like that ty is terrified <laughs> that that's, a that's a good thing i'm a three fight lead right now so <laughs> Gotta hold on to that lead. Yeah. Never. Um, as you could, well, I'm not sure you could tell Jordan, but we are both not cute. Conor McGregor's not our biggest fan. Or, I don't know how that works. We're, we're not, not there. Big. We're not his biggest fan. Yeah. I don't like Conor. I don't like Dana. And that's the extent of my dislike. I'm learning yeah. a lot. I mean, we got beef with Uncle Dana. We got Connor hate. We got Colby yeah. hates justified though. But you know yeah. why I hate Dana? I, you know why I ha- have a beef with Dana? Why is that? Because he was watching that damn Tyson Fury fight <laughs> during the women's battle, and it pissed me off. <laughs> I do yeah. remember. I do remember that. That was the. Rose Namajunas, Zhang Weili fight, right? That's right. Which is yeah. my favorite women's matchup. 
I think that was like a mistake on both the UFC and um, I, I don't know who the boxing league is. Like, how do you schedule the Tyson Fury fights, the, the Fury versus Wilder fight on the same night as a big UFC pay-per-view card? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how, how that works. You, you shouldn't go toe-to-toe. Uh, against the UFC on a, on a Saturday night. Oh, no. Um, Lame. I don't think I've told you this, Jordan, but my beef with Connor is actually family-related, honestly. Um, I'll have to show you a picture, but remember the bus incident? Yes, I do. So the first lawyer, the lawyer that was with Connor when he had his initial hearing after he got arrested was my uncle. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. It, it, he practices law in Brooklyn. And so apparently the event happened in Brooklyn. So he happened to be there. But from what my uncle had told me is that Connor had threatened him at, in some way. I can't remember the full details now because it was so long ago but it got to the point where my uncle didn't even want to help keep Connor out of jail that's not good at all I'm sorry to hear that but Connor has been on record to you know be crazy a bit yeah (laughs) a bit (laughs) so for everyone anyone that's like oh you're just a Connor hater well my Connor hate is justified (laughs) He threatened my uncle. Now he must. Well, I'm not going to threaten him. <laughs> now, now he must, he must go finish. to jail. Yes. <laughs> um, so before we get into our picks, now that we revealed why we're having the whole contest and whatnot, our little bets, I want to start with you, Jordan. Um, so how we normally do our UFC 272 fighter or fight to watch is that pick a fighter or if I know this year has been a little bit of a struggle because now that we're into it, we know a little bit more about the fighters, a fight that's not on the main card that you're interested in watching. Um, so what we did la- last time we had a guest or a number of cards that Laurel had a fight that she was interested in and I had a fighter that I was interested in so if you were to pick one fighter or one fight that's in the prelims or a fight fighter that not a lot of people know about who should everyone be paying attention to so I actually wrote on fansided this week a fighter to watch at UFC 272 and I think it was a no-brainer for me and this fighter should not be fighting on the prelims in my opinion I think she should be fighting on the main card, and that's Marina Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Yep. She is uh, fighting a tough opponent, and I think if she wins Saturday night, I think she could be fighting for the strawweight belt very, very soon. And, uh, you know, Greg Hardy versus uh, – I can't remember his opponent's name, but Greg Hardy is the opening of the, the, main, the main card. Sergey Spigoff? There you go. They're opening the main card. I would rather have a future strawweight title challenger, Marina Rodriguez, especially on a three-fight win streak, which yeah. she defeated 
three very good fighters in Mackenzie Dern, Amanda Rebus, and Michelle Watterson. Uh, but yeah, she is my fighter to watch. Uh, I cannot wait for that fight because um, she's never been, you know, dominated in a loss. She's only had one loss, and that was via split uh, split decision against Carla Sparza. Then she's had two draws, so we've never seen her lose definitively. But we never also seen her got been dominated, and she's shown that she can stop takedowns against Mackenzie Dern and do very well versus like a Carla Esparza. And she's also showed us that she can strike really good with like the likes of Amanda Rebus and Michelle, Michelle Watterson. So I cannot wait for a fight and she's my fighter to watch. Nice. It's interesting you pointed her out because yeah, you mentioned the split decision loss to Carla Esparza and that from what that's been circling around the MMA community is that Esparza is supposed to be rematching Rose Namajunas for the strawweight belt next. If Esparza were to find a way to beat Rose, having that rematch, I know, I know, I know. If, if it were to happen, I can imagine I just, that Rodriguez. Hang on, I'm, I'm still trying to recover from that. Okay, sorry. I was just going to say, if Esparza, okay, I won't say it. I can just okay. imagine an Esparza-Rodriguez rematch being very interesting. But it, I think... It would go be. Ahead. No, no, I'm saying it, it would be. I mean, that, that would be a rematch that it, it would be very good. But also, if, if, if Rose, you know, wins and mm-hmm. Rodriguez wins Saturday night, I think Rose will get her money's worth against uh, Rodriguez. I think stylistically, it's, a, it's not a very good matchup for her. I think, obviously, Rose will be the favorite. But uh, Rodriguez has a very, very good striking ability. And she puts relentless pressure. And I don't know if with – she's already gone five rounds, and she's, she's shown she's had that cardio. So, I mean, I just stylistically, it's not – it's something to challenge Rose that she's never been challenged like that. But mm-hmm. she has been girls like Joanna and, and Zhang Weili. So she is battle-tested. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's she my next. favorite fighter. Rosa Well, yeah, her and Amanda. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. go wrong with either one. Nope. I'll uh, let you. Uh, that knockout, UFC 261 uh, against uh, Wei Li, I was there for it. That was my very oh. first uh, event. I still get goosebumps uh, from that day. The, the crowd reaction, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was a better... I think that was more of a surprising knockout than when Rose knocked out Ioana. Bold take there, but that's what I, especially without, like she took care of Zhang Weili, who had won, I think, 20, 21 fights in a row up until that point. The fact that she got finished in about a minute by Rose Namajunas, big time shocker. So, Laurel, I will let the lady go next. Do you have a fighter or a fight to watch? Uh, my, my fight to, to watch, whom I'd actually have rather seen on, speaking of a prelim that, that could have been a main card, uh, was Jalen Turner and Malarkey. I think that's going to be a really... Um, 
interesting and tough battle. I'm hoping it goes three rounds. Both guys are kind of well balanced in in striking. Uh, they're very, they're similar styles, and um, I think I think it's going to be interesting. It, it was hard for me to think about who's going to actually win that fight. I'm kind of leaning towards Turner, but Malarkey's kind of a wild guy sometimes in, in the ring, and I like I like that about him. He's He's scrappy. He's a scrappy dude. So I, I'm excited to see that fight. Yeah, Malarkey, just, I feel like he just fought not too long ago, too. Am I right? I feel like he might have fought in January, maybe. Or wait, did he? No, it was last year, late last year, I think, right? It might have been. I, I feel I feel that he had fought on the um, Adesanya uh, Whitaker fight that happened last month, but I could be wrong. It could be a I could think you think of someone else. You're probably right. You're the you remember all that stuff. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you picked a really good fight though. That fight I think is the featured prelim, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so Jalen Turner is crazy good, so I'm right with you there. Yeah, but I agree with Jordan. I mean, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how Spivak and Hardy end up on on the main card. To me, those those two guys are just kind of your average bottom dwellers of, of the rankings. Nothing, nothing special to me. But I mean, I think I think the UFC wanted to start off the main card with like a bang, but if you want to start off with a bang, you put Turner versus Malarkey. I mean, Turner has a, a 100% finish rate. Mar- M- Malarkey has 93% finish rate. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't understand. But the Turner Mal- Malarkey fight is going to be really good. Yeah. I think it's I think it's the name Greg Hardy is the reason why. Because a lot of, like, and I, I don't like using the word, but sometimes I have to use it. Casual fans will see Greg Hardy and like, oh, that's That'll be something to watch because I'm pretty sure that like there are some football fans, uh, American football fans that watch UFC and like, oh, like we know who Greg Hardy is. And mm-hmm. I honestly don't like Greg Hardy for reasons that are pretty self-explanatory. So I think I definitely think uh, Marina Rodriguez's fights or the Jalen Turner um, Malarkey fight definitely should be kicking off the pay-per-view and just Push those two. I have nothing against um, Sergey at all. I think I said that right. Let me see. Sergey. Yeah. But Greg, Greg Hardy needs to go down there. I mean, uh-huh. you got two, you got two guys that their biggest combos is a jab in like this really huge looping right hook. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so so I'm going to go with Jordan and I'm going to pick a fighter to watch. And it's actually someone that we haven't seen fight in a while. I think it's been almost two years to the date that she had last fought. And her name is Mariana Moros, if I'm saying that correctly. She is a women's flyweight fighter from Ukraine. 
this is going to be her third fight at flyweight. Um, she's been very, and I, I can understand the whole pandemic had been the reasons why. She actually was one of the last fighters to fight um, before the, well, the world kind of, the pandemic kind of shut things down like the day before um, because for that March 14th, 2020 card with, I think it was Kevin Lee and Charles Oliveira. Uh, that fight was held with no fans and um, Moros was one of the last fight, was one of the first fighters to fight with no fans. Um, she's great Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, has a solid ground game. Um, but I think she could be really great. It's just the inconsistency with fighting especially since she's had her last four, she's had four fights booked from her last appearance until now, but she's had to withdraw due to un undisclosed reasons. Um, I know the first one was because she had the beast issue and then the last three or four were unknown as to why she pulled out. Um, but I think she's going to have a lot of, I'm not going to say incurred. She's going to have a lot of pride when it comes to her fight because I feel like, especially with how the battle between Russia and Ukraine is going right now, I think she's definitely been talking a lot about how her home country is dealing with a lot. And so I think she's going to put the entire weight of her country on her shoulders and just go out there. And I wouldn't be surprised if she decided to what's the word, if she dominated and she ended up getting like some kind of performance bonus, which she has won performance bonuses in the past. Um, I know right now she is, she set up a fundraiser where she's trying to raise $300,000 to help children that are in the Ukraine with the situation that's going on. And so with the, an entire country on her shoulders, my fire to watch is Marina Moros. That's a good one. That's a uh, another fight that has a, a grudge match in it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, the, if I'm not mistaken, um, I have it here on my uh, laptop. Uh, both fighters train together at American Top Team. And oh. Michael Pavlov uh, left American Top Team, and Moraz uh, wasn't too happy about that. So Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. that'll be a match worth watching i feel like it's a lot of american top team versus ex-american top team for this card <laughs> i mean i like that i mean i've always uh like american top team oh yeah <laughs> so with all that uh, with all bats time for some predictions for the ufc 272 main card what what First off, we get to the fight that we just discussed that we feel like shouldn't be on this pay-per-view, but it is on this pay-per-view. Um, I'm just going to leave it short, sweet, and to the point. I think Spivak wins the fight, and I think he wins by submission. Crazy. <laughs> That's just crazy. Okay. I'll put you down there, though. All right. I actually have Hardy winning this fight. <laughs> I know. 
I think he has pretty decent takedown defense, although he has little to no ground game. And he's he's a guy, he probably needs to be careful because he has a tendency to step in, in the octagon and really take a beating. You know, he's not shy uh, getting hit. Although he's pretty smooth on his feet, so he can um, block a lot of those shots. And I think that Spivak is pretty predictable in his striking style. So if Hardy goes in there and, and closes that distance between those two fighters, then Spivak won't be able to use that really uh, loop and hook that he has. And I think that Hardy will have a little bit of an advantage over him if he, if he can do that, if he can close that distance. My prediction, uh, actually, Ty and I uh, agree. I, I also have Spivak. I think he's going to win by submission as well. Um, I, Greg Hardy does have 80% uh, takedown defense, but if the fight does go to the ground, I it's going to be pretty much game over, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I do think Spivak gets it done uh, by submission. So Ty and I are in agreement. Nice. <laughs> Look at him grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> I mean, call it like I see it. Um, next fight, <laughs> we have Kevin Holland versus Alex Cowboy Oliveira. So we have the other cowboy um, going up to the Trailblazer. Um, so it was funny when this fight was announced. Uh, Kevin Holland apparently announced this fight through his OnlyFans accounts which i was like that's an interesting way to announce you're gonna fight i mean it was a very awesome video on how he did it but interesting platform to use to announce a fight wait um, wait i'm i'm confused though what's that is only fans for inappropriate activities it's what's mostly been used for but from what I hear is that some other, the, I'm trying to think of what the word is. It's used for things other than that, but the bulk of it, especially because the pandemic was used for inappropriate. So Kevin Holland has an OnlyFans. According to his announcement, he does. Whoa, interesting. <laughs> I, I don't I I can't explain it so I can't either nor do I want to <laughs> I will say though um looking at my notes um Holland has a crazy reach for a welterweight in 81 yeah, he inch does. reach like it's insane although I think he fought at he fought at middleweight before though I think he's moving down the welterweights um both are longtime veterans um Holland has some crazy striking, as we saw in his fight against Jack Ray Sosa. I was able to knock him out while he was laying, either laying down like on his knee. It was one of the more crazier knockouts I've um, Oliveira, he's like hit or miss. He's like, he does really well, and then he goes down. But I think he's been more of on a downward slump lately. So with that said, I think Kevin Holland takes this fight 
and I'm gonna say I think he wins it by a clean KO. I'm gonna say that both fighters kick each other until the third round, and then Kevin Holland knocks him out. All right. I'm also gonna go with Kevin Holland. Uh, I do think he gets it done inside the distance, uh, which is if he's gonna finish the fight, it's gonna be by knockout. Um, his reach at welterweight is gonna be a, a real problem for Challenge. his uh, opponents. I mean, he had the reach advantage when he was at middleweight. Now he's moving down. He's he's a natural slim slim guy, but yeah, his 81 inch reach advantage is pretty crazy. <laughs> Uh, our next fight, very interesting one at featherweight between Edson oh. Barboza and Bryce Mitchell. Uh, I don't like this matchup. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't even know why. It's very. It's a very. To me, it's a very strange matchup, but I guess it's to help Bryce Mitchell because he is 14-1 and, and just a – I don't know if he – I'm pretty sure he has, like, had some decent fights, but I think this – like, if he were to win this one, this would be a big name on his resume. It, it would. Um it, I'm kind of thinking that he will win, but I just, I don't know enough about him. I know that he is primarily, primarily has wrestling background and he's, he's really, uh, looks like a scrappy dude gets in the ring and just gives it at all. And I think that Barbosa is probably a little bit, um, not as speaking of pressure, high pressure. Um, so I've, I think I'm going to go with Mitchell for the win, but I just am not, I'm not sure, but I guess Mitchell, I don't know. I, don't know. Uh, I would be taking the betting underdog right now. That would be Edson Barboza. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually do really like this matchup. It's a classic striker versus, versus grappler matchup. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that uh, Bryce Mitchell you know, hasn't fought you know, a talent like Barboza. And I think it, the experience is going to play a big factor uh, in this fight. Uh, Barboza has been through tons of wrestlers through his whole professional career. Um, yeah. He does love throwing a, uh, a flying knee every once in a while. I would mm. not be surprised if he times one up perfectly. And also yeah. his kickboxing is also just, you know, out of his right. So I would, I would like to see him attack the legs as he has stopped the fight due to the leg strikes. But uh, the only thing with that is if, you know, if Bryce Mitchell does catch one of those kicks, he's likely going to take you down and now you're in his world. So, but I will be taking it to Barboza. I think he would win in a decision. Okay. Um, so, go ahead. Yeah, some... I think you have really good points. Um, and the, the one thing about wrestlers that always strikes me that, that we talk about quite often is if they feel like they're going to get hit in some sort of beat down, they, 
almost go to the ground immediately. That's what maybe a little bit of a reason that I see Mitchell winning that is just because he's not, he's not the type of guy that is going to try for a stand-up match. He's going to, his game plan will be to take Barbosa down probably right away. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's for sure a uh, interesting matchup. Yeah. yeah. It's tricky. Um, this actually was the only one I really had trouble picking because you do have mm-hmm. striking with Barboza and then the wrestling with Mitchell. Mitchell, I think, is one of the only two fighters in UFC history to win via the twister submission. So that's a, yeah, there's your fun fact of the day right there. Um, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. What are they calling a twister submission? That's difficult to explain. So it's like you're, let the legs are wrapped around the other person's legs and you're like twisting their entire, like you're using like every part of your body for the most part to twist the other person's body to the body, to the point where they're uncomfortable and they have to tap. Is it a leg lock or an ankle lock or what? It, entire- I mean, it is hard to explain. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it really is. But I mean, it is a very difficult submission to pull off. Um, but yeah, I mean, to... To explain that, I mean, is it a single leg X? <laughs> See, the reason I want to know is, is I want to learn this in my jujitsu class. <laughs> so I'll look it up. <laughs> oh, hold on, here we go. Let me see. I think I've got it for you right here. The Korean zombie was the other one to have successfully done the submission, the twister submission. Twister submission. Gotta be careful here. Yeah, he's gonna get pushed. He's set up the set up a twister. Yep, no way. No way. Oh, oh my so... god, he's got them. That's, That's tight. tight. Oh, oh my god! Bryce Unbelievable! Sean Tappy, get your checkbook out right now, baby. I think you're writing fifty thousand dollars for Bryce Mitchell. That makes sense. That visual help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. Like like Jordan says, it is very difficult to explain. So rather just the video will help with that. It's a body lock and a in a rear naked choke to the side. That's, that's what per- it is. That's that's yeah. a perfect perfect way to explain <laughs> that. Okay. Um, oh, so I didn't give my pick. I. I wrote down, uh, you know, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Bryce Mitchell wins this fight and I say he's going to win. I I think it's going to go to a decision. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people. I think it's going to be our fight of the night, very close fight of the night. Or, I'm sorry, our fight of the night, or it could be very close as far as like putting it in the hands of the judges, like we say. Mm Yeah. Next up was a fight that was just put together two to three days ago. The co-main event between Rafael Dos Anjos and Renato Moicano. Moicano just fought 
about a month. He fought a month ago on UFC 271. Yeah, again, it, it's one of those fights, like a catch weight. You could have moved some of the prelims up to the to the main card and moved a catch. I mean, how is it that a catch weight fight can can be on a main card right now? But I um, for this one, I have Dos Anjos. Is that right? Uh, winning. I think that he is kind of a high pressure guy that throws nice combinations out there that, that are, are pretty decent as far as accuracy is concerned. Whereas Moisano, Moicano, Moicano, yep. Moicano, um, you know, I don't uh, necessarily like his boxing style. He has a lot of uh, his stance is, is pretty wide, so it looks like he's literally facing you when he throws his punches, and that makes him flail a little bit, and it reduces his accuracy. I think this one will probably be kind of a stand-up fight anyway, but um, if Dos Anjos doesn't knock him out, I think it'll go three rounds with decision to Dos Anjos. That's my thoughts. It's a five round fight. Oh shoot, sorry. It's okay. A catch weight at a five round five? Yeah, yeah five God. a five round co-main event. Yeah. That was that's dumb. <laughs> which, which that feel like that should only really be for which so far it's only had been for McGregor or well McGregor has fought a co-main. It's pretty much been for Diaz the Diaz's, basically. So I think this is the first five round co-main. That didn't feature a Diaz brother or McGregor, even though he doesn't fight Combs. Yeah. It should be three. Yeah, especially <laughs> since Moicano's fighting in at, in three days' notice, I would I would have put it three rounds myself. But yeah. I'm not Dana White, though, or Sean Shelby, how whoever put that together. <laughs> yeah. Um, my prediction for this fight, I think I'm going to be taking RDA. Uh, I think he's actually going to finish Mokano. And I actually like Mokano. It probably doesn't sound like it, but I actually do. I actually think he's really good. But, uh, I mean, just coming in on short notice is not going to – I don't think it's going to work out for him. And for me personally, he gets hit too much on the feet. He, he absorbs a lot of strikes on the feet. And I think RDA is going to keep this fight standing. And, I, and how I think it's going to play out, it's going to be primarily on the feet, and I think RDA will get it done. Moncano uh, yeah. does not do well against other strikers. Um, he didn't do good versus Fazeev. Uh, I think he didn't do well with Jose Aldo as well. I mean, he just... Especially, you can't get hit as much as you can like him and just not fall to RDA. So I think I'm going to go RDA on this one. And I'm going to agree with the both both of you, and I'm going to pick RDA as well. Um, I think it does. I think it's going to be one of those. If it doesn't get finished within the first two or three rounds, it's definitely going to be a long. This is why I didn't want it as a five round fight. I'd rather stick to a three main three round fight because I feel like this is one that could go 
via long drug outs, decision fights. And we all like we all want to see the main event. Like nothing against Sosanos or Marcano, but if this fight doesn't end fit quickly, it could be not not so much. It's definitely not gonna be boring. It's just gonna be like is someone gonna finish anytime soon? We're gonna get a finish. No finish? Okay, let's keep going. Um but I I like the fight. I'm just not gonna be a fan of how long it goes. Especially when this especially since this fight could have because I think RDA and Fizev was originally supposed to be a three-round fight anyways. So I'm, I don't understand the, because your opponent changes, you decide to make it a five-round fight. I would say about this fight, that if it does go to the ground, it's actually going to get real interesting. I know RDA is not, not no slouch on the ground either, but I mean, on short notice and maybe Boycano can get it done if it goes, if it goes to the ground. That's a big if, though. Yeah. Very. Uh, right. So it's net. The next is our main events, which is I know a lot of people are anticipating, including Jordan here, Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal, a five rounder non title fight. Um, very huge grudge match. So I figure, as the guest and how big of a fan he is, let us hear what your thoughts are on this fight, Jordan. I almost said Jorge and Jordan combined, so. <laughs> well, Jordan Maspinal. <laughs> the, uh, the absolute reason why I fell in, love, fell in love with the UFC is because of Maspinal. You know, being from Miami, also being Cuban, uh, it's just, you know, I can relate to him. He can relate to me. It's, it's just something that runs down here in Miami. Um, I do see it stylistically being good for Jorge, meaning that, all right, Colby's a wrestler, but I think people are really, you know, not giving credit to how good Masvidal is with his takedown defense and his scrambles in particular. Um, Kamar Usman recently just came out and said that he was even surprised that he couldn't control uh, Jorge on the ground as long as he wanted to and that he got back up to his feet. Um, also, I think, you know, the fight is always starts standing, you know, it never starts, you know, going down. So, I mean, I think he's going to keep this fight standing. I think Colby actually would want to strike. I think he's going to want to prove a point knowing Colby's ego, knowing all the antics that come with it. Um, I did have the fortune to to do the uh, preview and prediction for a fan side of MMA on this fight. Um, I did talk about how the fight is going to start real fast, in my opinion. Um, I mean, as you can see in the press conference today, that, uh, I mean, they barely get a question and they're just always talking to each other. Um, I think it's going to start real fast. I think in those heated exchanges in the middle, I think it's not going to play into Kobe's favor. I think he's going to know real quick that if he keeps on getting into those exchanges, especially kickboxing, boxing, it's not going to go his way. I think he's going to try to shoot after that. And I think mm-hmm. when he knows or if he gets it, I think Jorge's going to stuff that takedown, and I think that it's really going to set in that, all right, I'm going to have to strike with him. And I think one of those heated exchanges, Jorge might, might clip him. And also, it's just another confidence factor 
in this game. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting, you know, some Ben Askren type vibes from this fight. Not now I'm not saying he's going to knee him in five seconds, mm-hmm. but just the way he's carrying himself this week, the way he's talking um, and the way he's training. I mean, Mike Brown even said it, that he's training really hard. It also reminds him of the Ben Askren fight. Um, as a fan, I would love the fight to end in five seconds. I mean, he's the one that brought me into this. I wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't with him, um, literally, because I wouldn't be writing. I wouldn't do anything. Um, so, yeah, I would. I mean, I would love that night to purchase a, a, a new canvas of the flying knee on, on Colby. I would. Um, I, I do think he's going to win as you know, a, a real fan. And I'm, I know it might might sound biased, but I actually do think he's going to win. Um I'm not as nervous as I was with the Usman fight in regards of, all right, if it yeah. does go to decision, I don't think he's going to win. Because I do think if it does go to the uh, decision, Corey does have a good chance. His cardio is really underrated. Um, but I think one to two rounds, I think this, this might be over. I wouldn't be surprised if it's done in the first round with how hard they're going to go at each other. The, the boxing of, of Masvidal is just going to get the best of Colby. I like it. Do you want me to go next? Yeah, I when I looked at the odds for this fight, I was I was pretty surprised because when I think about the two fighters and what I've seen in the past, I immediately thought, well, this should be Masvidal's fight. Um, he has great boxing, boxing technique, good wrestling style. He's a strong striker. He, uh, he um, sometimes I think that he takes too many, too many punches if, if, a, if a guy gets in there to, to really strike him out. But part of the, the thrill of watching Masvidal for me is his heart when he gets in in the ring. Covington, I mean, we talk about egos all the time. He's got an overly inflated one, and rightfully so. I mean, he's he's good. He's a high-pressure guy, goes for a lot of takedowns. He's in good condition. He's a great wrestler. But the one thing that Again, as Jordan pointed out, that that sticks out that's not really high up on his resume is is striking. And for that reason, I think that Masvidal can defend the takedowns. He knows what to do when he's on the ground. So the advantage for him is his striking. And I think I think that's where he'll get it done as well. I mean, and to just to add off of that, I mean, let's say if Colby does get a takedown, and I'm not trying to be a, a Colby hater. I mean, I also acknowledge the fact that Colby is really good as much as I mm-hmm. dislike him, but he is really good, and I do acknowledge that he is rightfully the number one contender. Um, but let's say if Colby does get that first takedown, and let's just say Jorge gets back up to his feet, what also plays a factor is, Kobe knows, all right, I already took him down once on my first attempt. I know I could take him down. So, but now 
Jorge has a, a super high fight IQ. Mm-hmm. And all right, now Kobe took me down the first time. I'm going to time his second takedown with maybe a flying knee or maybe yeah. an uppercut or just mm-hmm. a counter move. So, I mean, those are things to, to look for. I mean, it is a, a good stylistic matchup. I mean, as a fan, it's, it's kind of personal to me too because, you know, I am Cuban and some of the things that Kobe was saying this week with in the, in the media is uh, just playing out dumb. But mm-hmm. uh, I really hope the fan of me that Hori gets this done in a similar way that he did versus Askren. In a realistic way, I think he's gonna he's gonna get it done with his hands. I think Kobe's ego is gonna be too much, and I agree that Hori's gonna get it done. Yeah, <laughs> Kobe definitely has, especially with how he was talking to John Morgan. John Morgan, it's John Morgan, right? Yeah, correct. Uh, yeah. This week has been like very irritating. I don't know if you heard Laurel. Um, anytime John Morgan would ask him a question, he would request that he do ten push-ups before he answers it. And it's it's just I, I just think he took the gimmick a little too. He's he's taken his gimmick a little too far. Yeah, he's he's nervous. And that's, that's this is good. this is this is a big fight for him. Mm-hmm. What I've always noticed, like especially watching the press conference uh, today, whenever someone like and I saw it with the Connor Habib uh, press conference, whenever someone like brings it to the point that they're bringing in family, they're bringing in religion, they're bringing in like stuff that you really shouldn't be talking about in a negative light about someone that kind of like I knew from there speaking of which nice hat (laughs) um yeah just and what made what made it very cringe another cringeworthy part was that when a reporter had asked I couldn't remember who it was that Dust, that Dustin Poirier was thinking moving to 170 and would Colby take him and like, oh, if he's in the stance, I'll take him on as soon as I'm finished with, um, he called Jorge some kind of lame name or whatever it was. But what, what was really cringeworthy was that the whole Covington saying that I'm the one that has Jolie's baby or child or something like that, like Dude, like that, you took it a little too far right there. Um, and you're not even fighting Dustin Poirier, so it makes no sense. Um, with that being said, talking in the light of how negative Colby has been, um, I agree with you, Jordan. I think the whole being able to scramble, being able to, I think if he can keep it within close, of Colby, I don't think Colby is going to really anticipate it. And this kind of reminds me a little, like I'm kind of getting a little bit of, I know they're not the same, but I'm kind of getting like some Habib versus McGregor vibes, especially with how hated this rivalry is. And especially how McGregor fought that fight. It seemed like he was angry for the most part. And um, 
Habib was just calm. He didn't mention anything. Of course, he didn't get mad until after the fight that, and when he jumped into the crowd and started going after Dylan Danis and all that. I don't see your head. Not his finest moment. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely not Habib's finest moment. Um, I don't see Jorge doing that if he were to finish him in some way or another. But I think, I don't really think Covington's stand-up game has really been tested a whole lot because he's more focused on trying to get people to the ground. But if you can pair him up with someone who's really good at defending takedowns, like he's going to be forced to stand up and especially going up against Jorge Masvidal, a guy who has been known to knock you out just like that. I think it's going to be really dangerous for Covington. Um, But honestly, anything can happen. I would love to see a flying knee in three seconds. That's just (laughs) my personal, that's my personal hope that happens, but I don't think that's going to happen. That's your personal hope or is that mine? (laughs) That's more like... Uh, if he could finish him faster than he finished Ben Askren, then that'd be something. I don't see what I could really see is that while they're in the exchange, Masvidal could just like jump up and hit him with a flying knee, like standing as they break from the exchange, and then he's already down on the ground. I don't personally see it going that way. I definitely could see it being finished. I think the only way. And Colby's not really much of someone that like knocks people out or submits them. He's like like a drag out decision fighter for the most part. I mean, he finished Tyron Woodley, but that was because he got injured and hurt his rib. Yeah. Um, so if the if it's gonna be finished inside the distance, it's definitely gonna be Jorge Masvidal. Um, but what I wrote down was that I have it Masvidal by decision, but I after hearing what you both had to say, I'm actually going to go with a... I'm going to go a third round TKO victory for Jorge Masvidal. Whoa. I think what's going to happen is um, Masvidal is going to clip him, breaking from the exchange, and Covington's going to fall down because he's not really used to being hit, and especially... <laughs> I, I mean, I know Usman really worked on his striking, especially with, I'm sorry, Jordan, with what happened in their last fight. Um, but I think Jorge hits a little bit more, hits harder than Masvidal. Wow. Jorge hits harder than Usman. Um, I just think Masvidal was just caught by surprise at that point. Um, but I think he's going to catch Covington and he's going to fall. He's going to try to defend it, but Masvidal is just going to rain ground and pound, kind of like what he did to Askren, even though he was knocked out. And I think the judge, the judge, the ref pulls him off somewhere in the third round. So it's either Jorge is going to finish it or it's going to go to decision. But I think it, I think there's going to be a finish after hearing what you both have to say. Yeah, I mean, I, those were good points too. I mean, also, Kobe also knows that Hori just got knocked out for the very first time in his career. So if he's, you know, looking at that fight, he's like, all right, I had a striking battle with Usman t- twice already for basically 50 minutes. I can strike with Hori. Like, that's that's probably what he's thinking. He's probably saying, I, I can probably do probably the similar thing that Kamaru did with Hori. But the reality is that Hori just got caught with one shot. 
literally that's only happened to him once and that was that night. So yeah. I do think Kobe's ego is going to play a, a big factor in this fight. I really do. I think he's going to want to strike with him. And I think I just, I just don't see Jorge losing the, this type of fight. I just can't. Right. Uh, before we can, before we go into our topic of the week, uh, Jordan, you shared with me that Masvidal is getting that big payday. Yes, I did. Uh, before we got on, uh, it was announced via his manager, uh, the Cowell twins or brothers, uh, that uh, Hori signed a new multi-year contract with uh, the UFC, and that he is supposed to be getting top-tier money. <clears throat> and uh, there is a uh, rumors on t- uh, Twitter already that uh, he's like in the top three of it. And then I saw under his manager's Instagram post, one of the comments was, uh, is he getting paid more than like Izzy, Usman and some other fighters, uh, Diaz. And then he said that he's getting paid top two and that Connor's the only one ahead of him. So if this is true, uh, I think that's, Holy. you know, pretty big news because Jorge has been one of the fighters that has been asking for fighter pay. I remember before he took the first Usman fight at Abu Dhabi, he was one of the ones saying that I would like to get paid more and John Jones was a part of that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm just happy he got, you know, he's getting his money's worth. Um, He's also getting a a pay-per-view buys for, for this card, obviously. And Kobe isn't, which I think says a lot. Really? Yeah. And uh, during the press conference, actually, Kobe kept on saying, uh, buy the pay-per-view. And Jorge obviously said, yeah, keep on telling him to buy a pay-per-view because you're not getting any. And I am. So he's basically helping. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm just happy that he's getting paid. Uh, I think he deserves it. I think uh, his 2019 run was something special. I think his star power says a lot, especially headlining a card like this after a loss or two losses in a row. Um, but yeah, uh, some great stuff on his uh, contract. And uh, I think that puts a little bit more pressure on, on Kobe, if I'm being honest, because you know, I think Kobe uh, at least thought that maybe if you know he beats Jorge, that he might retire because you know, Jorge is 37 going on 38. He, he's had 51 professional fights that he can have the chance to retire him or, or he can just stop fighting. But after signing a, this multi-year contract and getting paid a lot, a lot of money, I mean, it just shows the motivation for, for Masvidal. So mm-hmm. I'm happy he got his payday and uh, can't wait for Saturday night. It's going to be a, a big one for me. Or I'm buying this pay-per-view to help Jorge Masvidal. I am. <laughs> Hashtag pay Masvidal. <laughs> pay the man. <laughs> we ready for our topic of the week? Yeah. Right. So break it. It was Monday, I believe, that this was announced. Um Former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez was a, arrested and charged with attempted murder and a few gun assault charges. There's a couple other 
charges in there as well. When the news broke, I was a little bit like surprised. Like to me, like I didn't get to see a whole lot of Kane Velasquez. I missed him. Actually, I think I've only seen him fight twice, if I remember correctly. Once at UFC 200, and then his fight with Francis Ngannou, which ah. Oh, that fight with Nganu, I felt really bad for Velasquez because he ended up getting hurt. And that was the only reason it had happened. That And that was really his last fight was against the current heavyweight champion. Um, but he went on and explored. I think he went to wrestling for a bit. And after that, it just hasn't been a... He hasn't really been in the news. But from what I at least have seen, as far as I know, is that he seems to be a really nice guy. Um, I mean, he trains with DC, he trained with, I think he trained with Khabib a little bit. And so, I mean, that doesn't say a whole lot, but I think he, to me, he looks like the family man, which brings me to what I heard later on was the only reason that he did all this was that he was targeting a guy named Harry Golarte, um, because allegedly he had been molesting one of his young relatives. There's the part where I was going to say that this is probably something that little minds should not hear. Um, <laughs> because that is a very sensitive topic, very, dis- very gross topic, honestly. And if the allegations are true, then I'm with every MMA fan and every fighter that has said that I... Um, Free Kane Velasquez, hashtag free Kane Velasquez, um, and all these like different hashtags, free him, um, that I stand with him. And if these allegations are true, then I mean, if that were my child that this guy was doing this to, I mean, granted, I probably wouldn't shoot at them, but they would probably receive a very heavy beating without a doubt. Um, if Cain Velasquez is uh, convicted. He faces more than 20 years in jail, I think, for each charge. I might be wrong on that one. Um, So it's a very sensitive topic because of the news that broke out. I know, Laurel, you messaged or mentioned me about the extra details that happened. I'm like, yeah. If I were if I were him and that were my family member or really anyone and I'd heard that they were doing unspeakable things to a little kid, then he's being beaten with the end of his life and I don't blame him for what he did. <laughs> so I'm gonna open up the floor now to what you guys think. I'll 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 keep it you know, short, because I do want to hear, you know, you guys talk about this more, because you guys are more informed than I am, but uh, I actually think um, someone said it uh, best, but uh, regarding the whole situation, that, uh, you know, Cain Velasquez, you know, it was kind of a shocker that when we all heard it, but, uh, you know, Cain did what, what most people say they'll do if that happened to you know, one of their family members, and he actually did it. So, yeah. I mean, it is, you know, a bit alarming with all the details coming out. Um, I hope some more details come out. But, uh, but yeah, a lot of people 
say you know to their family members or their friends yeah if they did that to my kid or if they did that to my cousin or whatever i'll do x y and z but kane did it so i mean that's you know i'll keep it short and sweet i mean i do want to hear what uh you have to say about it all it's kind of a it's it's a weird it's a weird situation in the fact that you hope it's not true but um that the that that child was not molested and that those things never happened um but it points out to me in a lot of cases that people don't feel like uh, sexual crimes are punished enough and they have a tendency, family members have a tendency to take it in their own hands because they just don't believe anything will ever become of it. And um, it gets into a case of a he said, she said situation with a, or a he said, he said, maybe, I don't know, but a young child against an older adult's word. And if you can't provide any evidence to that, then how can there be a punishment? And so I can see why from Kane's standpoint, you'd act on that. If you, if you see it, and we see it every day all the time with people that commit crimes like that, just walking around. And my personal belief is that we do not do enough to protect children against these kinds of things. And I don't know. I can't be angry at Kane for for doing that. But I know that that's not going to be taken into consideration when his day comes in court. And so that's what's sad about it. Yeah, that is very unfortunate. Um, I mean, if you're really, to me, like, I guess like in a perfect world, if he were up for trial and there was a, like the jury and however long the case would end up going for, and they like really think about it, like, <sighs> I'm trying to remember what the San Jose police said, like the fact that he took it in his own hands was a little, and see, I can't even think of the right words because I can't remember exactly what was said. Um, it, it sounded like in a way that they said that he was wrong for taking it into his own words. But like, mm -hmm. as we said, like what, like what would you have done in that situation? Like if you had heard or there was at least some, some proof that this was happening behind closed doors or wherever it was happening, wouldn't you have reacted the same way? Maybe not as, like, I know 
from my standpoint, I probably wouldn't have used like a weapon that could kill someone, like a gun. But I, I... sorry, I was like, sorry but... to interrupt. No, I was, I was just gonna say, but if I hear that you're doing that, you're probably gonna be beaten within an inch of your life. And my what, what, who wouldn't do that? The one thing for me that uh, would make all the difference for me is the timing. Like we can't, we can't continue, continually be vigilantes against the justice system. Let it play out. If he gets off scot-free, but there was evidence to suggest that he was doing that, then maybe take action about it. You know then you accept the full responsibility of, of, of your actions and, and go from there. But if, if this all turns out to be untrue, then he's just wasted his whole life. But at some point in time, we have to let the justice system play out and then, and then react or act. I don't know. It's unfortunate. I don't think he should have put himself in that situation. We can all understand it, but, and I understand it, but it's not justified. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, like, I mean, we all know what, what he did was, was wrong, but I mean, you can't really technically blame him for what he did, but yeah. It's a, a sad thing that happened. Uh, I had something, I'm trying to think of, there's like another point I wanted to bring up on that, but I think it's just, I don't think there's enough, while there is like information of the action that King Velasquez did, there's not enough out there as to why he did it. If there was more, like if he had heard it from someone, like someone trustworthy, I could understand it. But I feel like perhaps maybe, and I think that's the thing, like, like you said, Laurel, if this ended up being untrue, he put himself in very grave, in a very grave situation to the point where he could see himself. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps a very, very long time behind bars. But if it ended up being true, but the, the problem with it is that... If it ends the, up being true, it's the same situation. Exactly. He just put himself behind bars for a very long time. That's why I say, let the justice system run its course. And if... It, what happens after that is is where, in my opinion, you have more justification. Yeah. I mean... We can't keep excusing that kind of behavior. It's lawless. Excusing behavior as in, like, 
taking the just like taking justice into your own hands or yeah 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 I mean it's it's a very complicated story because you could like and I think the I think the only the one of the bad parts I see about it is that there were like if I remember correctly, there were two other people in the truck that he had shot. And I think one of the guys ended up getting hurt, but I think they said he ended up he was gonna end up being okay. But to put others in danger to target one guy is is I would say not the best way to go about it because what if that gun he fired and the person that got hurt, what if it was uh, critical or pretty much life-threatening because while he acted upon his own justice in getting another sexual predator off the streets he took an innocent life doing so and so what did what did that person die for yeah He just happened to be in the crossfire and it, it probably wouldn't have been a good look for him. Like, especially to just probably shoot blind, like to shoot blindly and hit someone else, which is why I would say like, if like, don't use a weapon that could ultimately, don't use something that could end up killing someone <laughs> just to go after one person. His fist could end up killing someone. <laughs> well, at least in that part, he could target one person, basically. And that way, the other person who got shot wouldn't have had to deal with the pain and consequences or right. the, all the medical problems. So it's a, it's a touchy subject. Tried to discuss, I tried to discuss, like we tried to discuss the best I can, like, or the best of our abilities from our point of view. Um, at the at the end of the day, what we need to do is well, that sounded rude and, and bad, but at the end of the day, for for me, these guys are just people like you and I living regular daily lives and getting upset about the same things that we would get upset about. And so no matter if he were a fighter or not, this is just awful news. It is. All the way around, so. Yeah. So we'll have to see how everything plays out. I'm pretty sure this is something that's gonna carry on for quite some time. Yeah. Um, I mean, in anything, I hope that the child in which the alleged actions had happened is safe and away from the guy. At least, I, I, yeah, let, let's just say that I hope that the child is safe and that he, whatever happens, that it, if it did happen, that he doesn't have to deal with, uh, see, that doesn't even sound right. <laughs> Let, let's just leave it that let's just hope that the child is safe or whoever was whoever the alleged thing it happened to that he, that person's safe i'm just gonna leave it at that yep i agree
so with that, I believe that is all the time we have for today. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Jordan, we wanted to thank you so very much for coming on again. And we appreciate you in more ways than one. I appreciate always being on. Uh, I would just say that uh, you can catch my... Uh, my thing at fan sided MMA. Uh, I just did Marino Rodriguez to be the fighter to watch. Last week I did Terrence McKinney and uh, yeah, nice. he had a, a phenomenal win. So, you know, I'm kind of on a, a little heater to say on a fighter to watch and then they just win, you know, that fight. So, yeah, I'm, maybe I'm putting a little bit of good luck on them. But, but to, to, to sign off here, uh, I hope uh, as a fan, my guy gets it done Saturday night. I hope the next time I'm on, you see a canvas of him uh, finishing Colby. Um, I always, I always love doing this. Um, I will be at UFC 273 live in Jacksonville. So if you guys need someone for that card as well, you know, I'm always a DM away, a call or a message. So you'll have to wear something special so we can pick you out. I will. I'll do that. <laughs> yes, please do. Oh, and could you do a thing about me before my first jujitsu competition in April? So then I can win. Oh, uh, okay. fire to watch. <laughs> I'll do the fire to watch. <laughs> I will. That would be fun. Ah. Uh... So actually what we'll do is once this podcast is, or maybe even later on tonight, um, I'll talk to you and maybe we can get our podcast retweet your fire to watch article. So that way our 35 followers can read it. It's all good. It, I mean, I, I'll, I'll always post, a, I'll, I'll repost the, uh, the preview and prediction on Saturday and like in the yeah. afternoon and the fighter to watch uh, stuff. So but I always, like I said, I always love doing this. I always love talking about the UFC. Um, yeah. So whenever you need someone, I'm always here for you guys. I always love doing this. Yeah. We enjoy having fun. So with that said, any questions? Um, you can send voice questions next week because we are going to open up the forum. Oh. Uh, yes. Did you get any names for my new chickens? No, not yet. Not yet, but I will put that question up Friday morning to name your, oh, I'll to find the name. It was like, oh, touch the W, right? What? My Wyandots? dots. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's a tradition. I just thought off the top of my head. Jordan, if you were to name one of Laurel's chickens, what would it be? If I were to name one of them? Yeah. It's got to be a fighter name. A fighter name? Yeah. I think it would be a pretty easy one for <laughs> me then to predict. I think I would name one of them Rose. Rose? Oh. Uh, mm. Actually, a fun fact. Uh, I just... Uh, my parents and I adopted a, a golden doodle, uh, a dog. Uh, she's a uh, six, six months old, and uh, 
first name is Mackenzie. Uh, my mom likes that name, but I think of it as Mackenzie Dern. And then I picked the middle name and I picked uh, Rose. So her name is Mackenzie Rose. Mackenzie Rose Dern. And I'm seeing Mackenzie Dern fight at UFC 273. So all comes full circle. Nice. Swing. <laughs> so you want to name, so I'll, let me write that down actually. So the <laughs> chicken name Rose. Rose Nana Nunez. <laughs> Got it. So requested by Jordan. Big Got news. Because we already have we already have Jean Wei Lee. <laughs> oh, have <laughs> if they if they fight oof. <laughs> and Amanda Nunez, we already have Amanda Nunez and yep. Israel Adesanya. That's it. Silva was chicken one? names. Huh? Anderson Silva, wasn't that another one? Oh, yeah. Shit, now I'm going to have to get like six fucking chickens. <laughs> yeah. So, any fans that want to name her chickens, or if you want to send in a voice question, we are opening up the forum after the fight card. So, mm-hmm. and then any suggestions, anything like that, can reach us on our podcast at FKTC Pod, or you can reach us individually. Granted that they are safe for work. I think I said that right. <laughs> yep, safe for work. You can reach Laurel at Rain Basin. And you can reach me, Ty, at TyFlyGuy15. Until then, protect your faces from Laurel's kicks and protect your necks from my throat cuddles. And like we stated, Earlier in the podcast, Laurel, our golden rule is... Never leave the decision in the hands of the judges. Yep. And until then, we will see you all next week for... Tiago Santos is next week, right? Santos versus Akaleev. Akaleev. I couldn't think of the other one. So that'll be a good one. So... With that said, we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.